Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. My name's Javen. I'm an international online health and fitness coach. And if you want to increase your confidence, improve your self-development and have a bulletproof mindset, this is the podcast for you. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe depending on whatever podcast app you are using. Today's episode is going to be amazing. I can't wait to get into it. Let's go. Welcome to episode two of the Spectrum of Health podcast. My name's Jav, I'm your host, online health and fitness coach. And today, guys, we've got a very, very special guest, a former colleague of mine, an amazing coach. She has her own online health and fitness company. And I'm proud to introduce Kate Louise Monard. Thank Look, you like, for having I've, me. I've been practicing that, so I hope you... Uh, that was brilliant. I hope I, you liked it. I feel it. great. I took Thank a bit you. of time to get that right. My ego is boosted. Thank you. I tried my best. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Firstly, I just want to thank you for coming on. When I had the idea of doing this, this is episode two, so it's obviously really early. When I had the idea of doing it, you was like someone that was, you were one of the first people I thought of. So yeah, I'm really happy that you decided to come on. Thanks. One of the OGs. Exactly. I appreciate that. So Thank when you so I've much. got like 100 episodes, the early episodes are going to be like the most pivotal, you know, these are going to be the important I'll come ones. back for your 100. I appreciate that. Cool. So obviously the podcast, the reason I decided to come up with this was I really wanted to discuss confidence, body confidence, mindset, personal development, and just overcoming difficult things in life. And the reason I wanted you to come on so badly was just because your social media, like what you post, everything you do, I quite enjoy just looking at it. You're very open and I felt like you'd be the perfect person to come on and talk about confidence in women. So, and you're a woman, so you're the Definitely. ideal person for that. But before we kind of dive into that, I just wanna, I wanna ask you about how you got into coaching. How did you become a coach? Like what was that process? Why did you do it? So I never even wanted to be in fitness. I kind of got to the point where I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. I'd just been traveling for the first time in my life. I had looked down, I didn't have a flat tummy and I was like, holy hell, I need to do something about this. So I came back to the UK, fell in love with the gym, fell in love with fitness. My mum had always wanted me to do that. And then it got to the point of, I have no degree. I have no idea what I want to do. So I may as well just do the PT course. Did the course, got a job in a gym and really enjoyed it. Now, when I had been traveling, I went to the studio on the Gold Coast called AMPM and it's like a calisthenics slash similar to F45 style place. Yeah. And I looked at the trainers there and I thought, oh my God, you have the dream job. Like, I would love to be doing what you do. And then just on an off chance, I had been volunteering in Liverpool Street and I looked at the F45 in Liverpool Street, messaged them and I said, hey, look, do you have any jobs going? Went down, had a trial and got the job. And then two years later, became studio manager. Have been doing that for two years. And then during lockdown, have started my online coaching business. Cool. Wow. So there's a bit of a journey there. And you, in a sense, you look down at, you said you look down at your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things I'd never had. Like for me, I've always been naturally small. And I know that's not obviously a big thing at all. And it doesn't mean I was fat or out of shape or whatever, but that was what I'd always like, that was my quota for being in shape. And it was always, oh, like I've got a flat tummy. Like I hated my legs when I was a kid. Genetically, 
my whole family had big legs. So I kind of just disregarded that and just looked at my stomach. I was like, as long as I've got my flat tummy, I'm okay. Yeah. And then suddenly it was like, oh it my goodness. It wasn't flat anymore. It wasn't. I was like, Thailand has done me. So that, that was your motivation to kind of get started. <laughs> it's interesting you say that because I think that a lot of people kind of have a similar sort of, when they want to start getting in shape, that's kind of what they, they look towards. Like they look at themselves and they say, oh, cool, I've got fat legs or i got a fat face or something like that. And then they, they're like, okay, I'm going to get started now. So I think it's good that you've been there, you know? And I think for me, I think that's what makes it hard for me as a coach sometimes is because without sounding like a You've prick, always been in shape. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah without sounding so like a prick, I've never, cut, I've never been out of shape. So it's just, yeah, sorry, sorry, guys. So, <laughs> You're going to cool. lose all your members now. <laughs> cool. So with that being said then, like that kind of leads me to my first question. You know, you mentioned it, right? You said, even though you wasn't necessarily fat by the standards or obese, you still felt like did that, that had effects on your confidence, right? So as a woman, obviously there's so many crazy amount of standards that you guys are expected to kind of reach. So why do you think that so many women struggle with body confidence? And I know we're going straight in with quite a deep, mm. deep question, but I don't, I think we might as well just get straight into it. Like, why do you think that that's such a, such a common thing? I mean, there's so many points to this and you've got like societal norms, societal standards, you've got Instagram, you've got TV, you've got reality TV, TOWIE, Made in Chelsea, all these kind of things. And I guess it's all the same thing because societal norms are changing, right? You look back in however many years ago and you had people like Marilyn Monroe and how different that was the standard of a woman that was what was beautiful that was what was sexy that that voluptuous look and then as time goes on when i was younger it was the victoria beckham it was mm. size zero it was be a stick it was be super skinny it was basically encouraging women to have eating disorders and all of that kind of thing and now much to my thank goodness it's become more of this sort of curvy shape with the bum because that works genetically towards me <laughs> so i'm here for it i'm never going to be a victoria beckham but definitely all of these pressures and unfortunately for me i understand the difference between insta versus reality right i get it and this is why i'm pretty sound with myself and i think we'll go into this in a bit but i think so many women don't understand that and because you get so many influences that have had all of these like plastic surgery and fillers and botox and what have you but they don't admit it look at the kardashians for example people right. still believe that, that the kardashians have had no work right. i mean come on and if luckily some of these more like lower class lower class lower uh, like towie and whatnot people they are starting to say yes i've had this but also now I'm going backwards. You have someone like Molly May, for example, and she has literally done a full turn. She's had her teeth like gone back to natural. She's had all of her filler taken out. She's had her hair extensions taken out and she's been very, very open about it. And I think we need more role models like that saying, yes, we do have, we can have all of these things. We can change ourselves, but be honest about it. Yeah. Don't lie yeah. to the public and to these young girls, especially vulnerable women who think that that's natural when it's not. Yeah. So would you say that, when people like Kim Kardashian or whoever, whether they're on Love Island or whatever, whatever level they are, when they do these things, whether they get plastic surgery or whatever, do you think that it's not necessarily a bad thing that they do it, but they should be honest that they've done it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's absolutely no issue in it whatsoever. Like personally, I've never done any of that. And 
I don't think I ever would. But I also know a lot of girls who do think, do whatever makes you happy. Yeah. And then you've got the side of that where it's the caveat, which is, well, no, you should be happy within yourself and what have you. But yeah. back to your point, yes, I do think there should be some level of honesty to it. It doesn't have to be shouting about it, saying, oh, I had liposuction like every single day and hammering it on all of their posts. But when someone drastically changes, I think it was Chloe from Geordie Shore when she literally moulded her body completely different. She'd gone from this girl that we'd seen growing up on TV who went out getting smashed every day. She'd put on a lot of weight, was always drinking, takeaways, et cetera, et cetera, to the point where she literally, her whole body shape now is like that. And it's so unnatural because she's had yeah. so much surgery. But yeah. she was pushed to that point by all of the trolling and everything that came from being on Geordie Shore. And it's made her feel like she's had to do it. Then she gets it done and everyone says, why have you had that done? You were so beautiful before. And I just couldn't imagine it, putting yourself, being that pressured that you have to look a certain way. She has changed her whole entire body. Is it Chloe or Holly? I'm not sure. One of the two. It's crazy. And you know what's funny? Like before you came on, before I invited you, obviously I did a bit of research and I read some crazy stat. Like it was like over half... And it was an American study, but it was like over half of college aged girls. So that would be from, I guess, 18, 19 upwards to about 22, because obviously college over there is university here. Over half of college aged girls felt pressured to be a certain body weight. I didn't, com- I should have looked at what that would, what that was in the men as well, because it would have been interesting to see the comparison, because I probably guessed that it's going to be less in men, even though probably men feel quite pressured to be a certain way too. But like, that's quite, that's a lot. That's a lot. Like, that's a lot of, a lot of women, a lot of women feeling like they need to be a certain weight when really there is no, there is no perfect weight. Yeah, it's really sad. And like I said before, the perfect weight 10 years ago is completely different, different to the perfect now. weight right now. And this is why so many of my clients, most of my clients are women. And a lot of them actually say at the beginning that one, they don't have scales or I've had a couple of girls who have had a history of eating disorders or similar things, body dysmorphia. I don't even bring into the question how much do you weigh. I don't even bother asking them the question. Yeah. I wouldn't even bother tracking their calories for someone like that because it's not healthy at yeah. all. And they don't really need that, really, especially especially if they've had eating disorders in the past. Cool. So you kind of mentioned it a little bit but I kind of want to go a little bit deeper into the social media side of things. So for me, right, I don't really, I try not to consume social media. Like I only use it for business really. But obviously before I had my own business, I was using it as a more of a consumer perspective. So there's a lot of people on there, a lot of people that are showing off. I think one big thing about social media is that you only ever see everybody's best side, right? You never see people that ever post about the, sh- the crap and the shit they're going through. They always just post about the good stuff. So how much of an effect do you feel like social media has on women's confidence? Because obviously, like you said, you've got people like Kim K and all these celebrities and they look like they were carved out of stone in every single picture. They look perfect. Like how does how does that affect people? How would you say it affects people? What would Massively. How would you describe it? I mean... I can only talk about it from what I can see because, like I said before, I think I'm very, I'm quite sound mind and I don't get consumed like yourself. I don't get consumed too much into it. But looking at things that I read online and on Twitter and 
it's damaging. It's yeah. very, very damaging. And I, I don't know. I feel like maybe a younger age group to ourselves is more vulnerable than, say, our age gap. So maybe you're looking from 16 to 20. That group, I think, is super, super vulnerable. And yeah. with TikTok era and with all this stuff, and I feel like kids, and when I say kids, I mean, like, preteens, teens, are having to grow up so much quicker and they see all of this stuff and yeah I do I think it's damaging again I can't talk from personal experience but I think there is just such a a standard that they think they have to hit right. and you know what I don't even think it is a lot of the time like body shape and fillers and stuff I think it's also the whole like designer goods and designer no, clothes and these love that, island stars that's exactly what was running from my mind i was about to say that like i think it's the whole package and it's the lifestyle right so it's you're looking at these people who've come out of love island who are usually what 22 23 24 and they come out and they do these like brand deals and whatnot and they're getting paid a lot for a post like a paid post on instagram what ten thousand pounds maybe more maybe less whatever Sizable amount of money, enough that you can spend a couple of grand on a Gucci bag or what have you. Again, I don't have anything designer, so like I'm not warped into this, but so many people think that this is the life. And I just think if you're flexing like that, like what have you really got behind you? Like, I, I don't know. I don't understand it at all. And I think it's so, so damaging that people think that they have to have their life together and have all this money and have the holidays and the boyfriend and the good face and the fit body by the time they're 23. Yeah, it's unrealistic. It's scary. It's so unrealistic. And the goals are just not... Some of them are just not realistic for people, but they feel this pressure to achieve it. And yeah, I'm glad you said it because I was literally about to say that. Like, how do you think it in terms of people thinking that they need to have the latest, like a Rolex or the guys when they get a Rolex, they want to get all these mad cars and they're trying to live beyond their means. Even from a financial perspective, it affects people. And it's all about what they look like. It's all about what they're perceived. Like all of these things aren't going to make you happy. Right. And like something, say like a nose job or something or a boob job, it might make you happy. And I, I get that. I do get it from an insecurity perspective, right? So I always used to want a boob job. I wanted one massively and I thought it'd make me really happy. Not enough to actually get one. Sometimes it plays on my mind, but it's still not that high of a thing for me. Yeah. Some people I know, one of my good friends, she's always banged on about a nose job. She's always said she hates her nose and it would make her so much happier. And in her instance, I don't think she's got a bad nose in the slightest, but I know how much it affects her and her insecurities and she wants one. So I just know how much that would make her happier. But when you're looking at something like a Gucci bag or a Louis Vuitton this or that or what have you, that's not going to bring you happiness just for the picture on Instagram. It's, it won't make you happy. It might give you some kind of status or popularity or whatever. Well, it's not but gonna... do you have any depth behind you? Yeah. Can you buy a house? Can you buy a car? Can you fund things? Or are you in debt? Like, those are the things that are important. Yeah. So, yeah. So the social media side of things, definitely, I can even talk from my perspective of, I never really felt pressured to try and match anybody or have what people have because I didn't, I, I've never been someone that really cared about opinions. I do think it's natural for humans to want approval from other people. I think that's just a natural Validation. thing. Validation. Exactly. And even if there's people that will be like, oh, I don't care what people think, but everyone has a little, even if you don't value it a lot, everyone has a little bit. And I even think when I moved, I lived in America, when I moved back, there was like the transition period of just settling in. I've come back, I ain't got a job. 
I ain't working. I've had to move back home with my mum. I've been alone for five years. Like it was a big transition and it took me a long time. And it, it wasn't a comparison thing, but I think it was like a, a male thing where in my mind I was like, okay, I'm 23, I'm 24. I've got to have this, I've got to have that. I should have this as a man. And I think when I didn't have those things, I was being, I wasn't being harsh on myself, but I was just like, this doesn't feel like I'm being a man. That's what it felt like. Mm. And I, I, but I've been away for five years. I've been in another country. Like I haven't even had the chance to build a life. I was getting a degree, I was playing football. Like I wasn't really thinking about, I didn't have the opportunity to have what I wanted to have, but I was still pressuring myself to try and have these things. And I don't think social media pressured me, but it was just like, I don't know. I think it was something that is just something I was seeing around me and something that I just wanted, but I didn't actually need it. And I needed needed time to kind of build myself up in it. You don't just come back from another country and have everything you want straight away. So in terms of that, what I just said, there was that in, in that point in my life, I wouldn't say I had low self-esteem, but my confidence in terms of how I felt other people were perceiving me was quite low. Obviously, I'm quite naturally just a confident person, but I just didn't feel like I could give everything that I wanted, maybe because I wasn't making a certain amount of money or whatever. And the, the way I overcome that was literally just by making sure I was making more money. <laughs> but how, in terms of your life and self-confidence, like how have you dealt with times where you've had like low self-esteem or low confidence, whether it's body confidence, just mentally, like how, how have you dealt with those so things? I've one thing for me is you're talking about like the social media side of things. I think I compare myself against my friends more than I compare myself against people on social media. Like my social circle is very small and it's very close knit and we're very close. But the people that I compare myself to are them. So there's been times and you're talking about coming back from America. For me, it was when I had come out of school and I went traveling, but then, but then I came back and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it's that case of like, well, all of my friends have been to uni, all of my friends have a career path, and I'm here being the free spirit of the group, which is great and I embraced it, but I always in the back of my mind had, oh my goodness, like these guys have a guaranteed salary, essentially they have a guaranteed job straight after uni what the heck am I going to do? And I get a gym job on minimum wage. And I'm like, how am I going to take this further? Am I, is this where I'm stuck? What's going to happen? And it's scary. It's really hard. And luckily, none of my friends are judgmental or pressuring. And same with my mum. Like, it's just me and my mum. And she's always been, do what makes you happy. Whatever that is make you happy and I don't know I'm a very strong-minded person I'm very strong and don't get me wrong I've had down times and things but it's never usually like a body confidence or a self-confidence thing Mm. I am quite strong and that comes from having such a supportive network around me and I can't begin to think how it would feel not to have that when I was in school for example like I don't know year six or younger age, I never felt part of like a group. And I always, I was the small braces, ginger hair, the smallest one, an easy person to pick on, right? I I was an easy target. And that always made me feel really segregated and going into sort of year seven as well. I felt that as well. And that felt really, really 
tough because there was nothing wrong with me. And, but it was just kids being kids and it being an easy target. And I had no idea how to deal with that. Right. And I felt really, really ostracized a few points within those years. But I do, I think eventually when people get to know you and you can shine your personality through, they realize that I'm not just yeah. the small braces with ginger girl. Yeah. Like I have substance and I guess I just shone through, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> showed my So work. you mentioned about having a supportive network and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that that's something that can be overlooked and people don't really realize how critical that can be. And it kind of, in our line of work, is kind of how we build a business mm. as coaches because that accountability factor and having someone there to kind of keep you on point. So would you say that having your mom and having friends that were supportive was or is currently even in your life, like some of the, the, the most important Massive. or one of the most important things that keep you going when Massive. things are tough? And I think it's the no judgment too. Mm. Sometimes I catch myself being judgy about a situation or someone and it usually isn't anything to do with my inner circle. It's probably I've seen something online. I'm being like, whatever about it. But it's huge. Just having people around you that you can be super open with, that you can trust, that you can say whatever you want to say and know that you're not going to get judged. And I'll bring back to this point as well later with some of the other things that we're going to speak about. But it is just so, so important. And you talk about body confidence and things like that. Me and my friends are that close that we will literally send each other nudes of ourselves. Right. When we wake up in the morning, we're feeling fresh. We've got a Telling fresh... Telling each other you're sexy. Like. Yeah, and I wake up and I'm like, hey, I look fit. I'm not sending it to a guy. I'm sending it to the girls. I'm like, no, girls, like how, how like good that. do I look? Cool. And I, like I did a poll on my Instagram a little while ago. And I said, one of the questions was, would you, girls, would you send a naked pic of yourself like to the girls? And I think the majority said no. And to me, that absolutely baffled me because okay. how are you ever going to say, not that you have to send one to a guy, obviously, but like, how would you ever expect to be comfortable in the presence of a guy if you're not even around like the girls? Like, to me, the girls are numero uno. They are my ride or die. That's yeah. who I go to for everything. And if you're not comfortable doing that, like, that worries me a lot that you can't even be comfortable around the people that are not supposed to judge you and are supposed to be your best friends and yeah. are supposed to support you through whatever. Yeah. So, so, yeah, that that's, I'm glad. That's really cool. I like that, that you send news to your friends. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> do you know what? And I did that. And the amount of guys that clicked on it, because I was like, guys, do not Don't vote. I need it. to yeah, yeah, and then, Oh, but I just wanted to see the results. <laughs> oh, that's interesting because you know what like i don't think i don't think me and my friends will be sending news to each other but that is <laughs> I think so. but you know what well, as you were saying that i was before you said that i was thinking about as a kid i think like in the in the black community right a lot of people talk about how as a parent you know you should always tell little black girls your hair is good like you're beautiful is that something not your hair but i mean like are you what as as a kid was you always like giving affirmations that, you know, you're a beautiful kid, you're a beautiful child. Like, is that something that you grew up kind of getting? Yeah, I reckon so. Like I say, it was only really me and my mum, but definitely, yeah. 100%. But that's all I had. Like, I don't have close family nearby. Right. And even when I was younger, I don't really have memories of having friends around a lot. I feel like I definitely, and I'm an only child. So I do feel like when I was younger, 
was I lonely? Maybe. Did I sort of desire to have, I would look at my friends and I had no idea what it felt to have a mum and a dad. I had no idea what it felt to have siblings around and I idolised that. I looked at that and I idolised that a lot and maybe that's why I'm so confident now because I'm like desperately leeching on to like social things (laughs) and to people. But yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely for my mum, 100%. She's always been my biggest supporter. And I think that's critical, man. Like that's critical. And you know what though? It's, It's critical, but for me, I can't really remember my mum really giving me lots of affirmations, but she was always she would always tell me that I'm smart. I don't know if that's a that was a good thing because she never. I can't really remember her saying, "Oh, actually, I'm lying." She definitely said I look good a few times, <laughs> but she always used to talk about how smart I was, and I think that that when I think about it, that gave me confidence. Like even though I was always a naturally confident kid, and I think sports played a big role in that, but like her always telling me that I was smart kind of just always stuck with me. Do you know what as well? I think, and this is just my perception, I do think that boys often will get told more things like you're smart, you're fit, Mm. you're strong. Whereas girls will get told you're beautiful, like you're pretty, whatever. And from such a young age, that then gets ingrained and you have those like gender stereotypes and Mm. gender norms and things. And... I was reading, I've read quite a lot lately, especially as there's been a hyped thing about like sexual harassment, feminism, all of that kind of stuff. And it's, I've seen a lot of things about how to compliment a woman without speaking about her looks. Mm. And a lot of people, I've had guys message me on Instagram before and they say, oh, there's this girl in the gym and I see her, but I don't want to seem creepy or what do I say? And I say, the last thing that you do is walk over there and tell her that her bum looks good in her leggings. That is the last <laughs> thing you do, right? Don't do it, don't do it. Guys, don't do it, all right? Here's your 101 of how to hook up with a girl from the gym. But go, if you're going to chat to her, wait until she's finished her set. See if she actually looks approachable. Have you got eye contact with her to start with? If you're going to be brave enough, maybe make sure that there's no one else around because she doesn't want to feel awkward with a bunch of people around her as well. But for me, it's, hey, oh my goodness, like you look really strong or how long have you been coming to the gym? Like it seems like you know what you're doing. Maybe even throw, are you a PT? Because then they'll really big up their ego. <laughs> like, you know, but I'm do... I'm using these lines. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there at the wedding, <laughs> quote me. But, you know, something about the fitness and the strength behind it and the hard work and the dedication. Don't go straight in talking about her looks right. and her bum and making crass comments because it just makes us feel absolutely terrible. Yeah. Actually, one guy once came up to me and he was like... Oh, what did he say? Are you going to compete? Because with a back like that, you look great. Which I actually thought was a great compliment because he thought I was going to compete. So I'll take that. But yeah, I don't know. You just got to be a bit cautious, guys. That's interesting because I definitely think that when I was younger, I I always used to think like approaching a girl in a gym is a no-go. I just thought like that just... Some girls would say that. I just think it just doesn't really... It's just not the place. Like... Even if I've wanted to, I just wouldn't, I just never felt to do it. I mean, I've done it recently, actually, or not before the gym shut. (laughs) But, but, um, yeah, it was not something that I ever really wanted, wanted, want to do. I think it's a bit, I always find it a bit awkward, actually. Mm, It can be. You've got to be a very confident guy to do it. And you've really not got to not come across sleazy. Yeah. Because as soon as you come across creepy, sleazy or crass, 
it's an absolute no. And you don't want it to look like you've been staring at them, like oh my God. watching so, yeah. them train. Oh, so this one guy, the one that I just mentioned about looking like I was going to compete, I could tell that he, I knew he was going to speak to me because for about the prior 15 minutes, like he kept looking over, kept looking yeah. over, kept looking over. And this actually happened. So <laughs> two days ago, I was at the park, like doing a little workout, skipping and whatnot in the basketball courts. And over the way, I could see this guy and he was in the flats and he was skipping. And I'm skipping, but I'm like 100, 200 meters away. And I could see and I'm like, oh, I feel like he's looking. I feel like he's looking. He then walks all the way around the basketball court. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> here we go. I can see him. And he's like, oh, hey, sorry to interrupt. I'm like, it's okay. He's like, do you know how to do like the crisscross thing with the <laughs> skipping rope? And I was like, no, I'm really bad at skipping. <laughs> and then like, we had a little bit of a chat, exchanged Instagrams or whatever. So <laughs> awkward if he's watching now. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So then with like dealing with, low confidence, self-esteem and having that circle around you, you know, you said that played a big part in that. How has health and fitness played a part in that? Obviously this podcast, even though it's more about mindset, confidence building, self-development, you know, we're both coaches. So how has exercise, fitness, nutrition, how has that played a part in how you felt about yourself and, and so on and so forth? Massively, because the fitter I feel, the more confident I feel, the sexier I feel. I'm a very sexually liberated person and that means a lot to me to be able to feel like that. And I only feel like that when I've been putting the work in and when I've been eating correctly and when I've been training correctly, when I've been getting my steps in every single day and every single week, I just feel great. And I don't know whether it's the food I'm eating or just the whole thing. I think it's just everything. It makes me feel absolutely amazing to be able to wake up and like I say be able to send a naked picture to my closest Mm. friends and be like hey I look a 10 out of 10 I look fire right now and it's just so liberating and as soon as I don't do that and I've had takeaways and I'm not demeaning diminishing takeaways at all because I love a takeaway but some weeks obviously as we know we drink too much we eat too much and it feels good for five minutes and you just feel awful after and I am, I love eating rubbish. I love chocolate. I love takeaways. I, I love it all. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these coaches that say you have to stop it all. But I know it's just such a short-lived high and it doesn't feel good for that long. And I just know, I always say to myself, how much better do you feel for not doing that when it's unnecessary? Yeah. I just feel so good at not doing it. So you would say when you're training and everything's on point, hitting the gym, obviously lockdown, but when it's over, you'll be hitting the gym. It has a positive impact on your sexual confidence too. Massively, massively, because you're just so self-confident within yourself. And if you don't have self-confidence and if you don't have self-worth and self-love, you have nothing. You can't expect anyone else to see those things in you. I know when I'm on these highs, I admit, such confidence and happiness and people around me pick up on it and then that makes them feel a certain way too but I can never expect to ever be with a guy for example if I feel like shit if I feel awful and if I feel terrible I can never expect a guy to come into my life and fix that because that's not the case we're just gonna I'm gonna bring him down at the end of the day yeah so with that then obviously I've done a few videos on Instagram about how health and fitness affects your sex life. And there's like multiple studies that show that, you know, people who train 
generally report that they feel more confident in the bedroom and that they perform better in the bedroom. I've even had a few clients, can't say any names, but <laughs> they've messaged me and they've replied to some of the videos I've made and they've been like, yeah, you know what? My partner would attest to that, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So would you say, and I'm gonna say for myself, I definitely feel like when I'm at my fittest, in a bedroom, I definitely feel like it makes a difference. <laughs> so would you say that you, yeah. if you could compare like when you haven't been training, you haven't been looking after yourself compared to when you're on point with your training, 100%. do you feel like there's a difference? Do you know what? Actually, something happened to me a little while ago and I'm getting intimate with someone and they turned the lights off and I'm like, hell no, right, the turn the lights on, the lights on. Yeah. I look great. Whereas like younger Kate, when she had less self-esteem and wasn't into fitness and whatnot, she would have, you know, been happy for the lights to be off, for yeah. example. But yeah. yeah, massively. And not only the cardiovascular side of things, because obviously yeah. that helps, big role, yeah. but just feeling confident and thriving in it I feel like a lot of girls might end up sort of laying on the bed and being like like grab the covers like if yeah. they're like if they're just like in the bathroom they're about to come back in they yeah. want to cover up rather than sort of like be waiting like ready in their best lingerie and just like feeling good about themselves because as soon as you look in the mirror and you think you're a 10 out of 10 everyone else is going to think that yeah. too yeah. if you look in the mirror and you feel shy or you don't want to look at yourself Instantly, you're going to admit that, yeah, hundred yeah, percent, and it makes me sad that not everyone feels like that, right. and they can feel they like can that. Feel like that. And this yeah. is my ethos with my coaching. I'm like, you can feel like that. I'm not looking for you to be a size zero. I'm looking for you to feel your best, whatever that is for you. I want you to feel that confidence and that sexiness. And do you ever remember on TV it was called? how to look good naked or something. Yeah, yeah, and I had a doctor and it, on it. Yeah, yeah but yeah, it's yeah. so true because yeah. if you can't feel confident in your birthday suit, how can you feel confident, you Yeah, know? it's true. So then that leads me to another point and you posted a video about this, right? A lot of women, when I get inquiries and people book their consultations with me and stuff, a lot of them will say, one of their big goals will be like, I want to tone up, right? Oh. And they always say, I want to tone up, I want to tone up. Obviously we know toning up isn't necessarily a thing, but when you explain to someone how that process might work out and you explain to them, look, you know, you might, you're gonna need to start maybe lifting some weights, doing some strength training. Sometimes you might get the rebuttal of, oh, I don't wanna get bulky, I don't wanna get bulky. And that's something that I've kind of been batting against for a little while. I think anybody who follows me, they probably know now that you can't get bulky because I've been saying that for a while. Um, you can, but it'd be very hard. So. Another thing that goes along with that is, obviously it comes from a little bit of lack of knowledge, but also it comes from a little bit of insecurity and fear of the weight section in the gym. Mm -hmm. So for you, obviously you understand the importance of weight training and stuff. How did you ever overcome any sort of gym anxiety or, or fear of using the weight room and being around all the guys in the weight room, so on and so forth? Do you know what? I can't even pinpoint a moment, but for me, so my mum always tried to get me into fitness and I was always like, no, like I've got my flat tummy, I'm all good. Like I don't need to do any of that. And then when I did start going to the gym, went to her gym and it was just your typical, hey, let's write your gym program. We'll take you around the gym, et cetera, et cetera. And luckily it wasn't, 
your typical like pure gym because I know that they're a lot worse, they're a lot busier. This was not quite that level. It was my mum's gym, so it was pretty nice. Yeah. And the guy just wrote me a program and just introduced. But I, the trainers there were actually really nice. And I know in a lot of gyms, a lot of trainers and not to be, to put this on men, but a lot of male PTs <laughs> can be a kind of way in a gym and kind of sleazy. And I have been on the end of that when I was young with a PT who you could tell was like trying to get your number and it's like, whoa, chill out. I'm like literally 18, relax. But anyway, the PTs at the gym were very friendly and very nice and they were always checking in and they were always being really chatty. And for me, that's what made me confident to be in that area because if they were chatting to me, they also knew all the guys as well. So when I'm going into the free weights area, I didn't feel like like weird about it and people right. looking at me like he would chat to me and maybe introduce me to people around. Yeah. So it was way more confident. And yeah. I do think that surrounding of that gym was really, it was actually a really friendly gym. And to this day, I've still got fr like male friends from that gym who have never made a pass at me, who have never made any weird comments at me. And so I was very lucky. Yeah. But then I do look, now I go to one of these other budget gyms and I can see it happening all the time. I can see the stairs. And I can see guys getting annoyed when a girl's hogging the rack or whatever. And yeah, I, there should be rules around this. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? I had an instance when I was in one of these budget gyms and I was there a couple months back and I'm stood there in the weight section doing what I was doing with the weight, stood up doing some arms or whatever. Benches behind me, there's a guy sat on the bench behind me I'm not kidding you when I say his tongue was hanging out of his mouth <laughs> and he was staring at me and I can see him in the reflection. Oh my goodness, to the point, again, I can deal with this kind of stuff, but I went up to one of the guys that worked there and I said, mate, just keep an eye on him because I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. I felt very uncomfortable just yeah. now. And so I get it, I get it. I'm a strong woman, I can take it. A lot of girls who are new fresh into the gym, new into the gym, new into weight training, probably aren't too sure on what they're doing. And then they have to deal with that. Yeah, makes it what, What's the answer? Yeah. Have just women's only gyms, yeah. but then that segregates women to make yeah. them feel that they're not on the same par as men. I'm yeah. stronger than a lot of men I know. So what do we do? So what do we do? No, 100%. And I, I think that some of the things I say to the women that I work with is I always say to them, Firstly, when you're in a gym, no one cares what you're doing. And I think that a big problem that we don't realize is we're worried about what someone else is thinking mm -hmm. while they're worried about what we're thinking. Yes. So we're worried about what someone else is thinking while they're worried about what we're thinking. Don't you think that that's just a crazy, yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy loop, right? It's a crazy cycle and it doesn't actually make any sense mm -hmm. that we're worried about other people's thoughts while their thoughts are, that they're worried about us. And another thing is that also I try to explain to the women is that you have a right to be there. 100%. And that's the most difficult part. I think that they sometimes I don't feel like they have a right to be there. But, you know, you've got a fitness goal and we're kind of going to we're going to talk about why weight training is important for women. But if you've got a fitness goal and if your goal is toning up to use your language, you have a right to use the weights, use the squat racks, use the bench press like you should use it. Do you know what, right? So as one of the things that really annoys me, I'm five foot, I'm small. I am a small person, I'm a small woman. And 
a lot of the things in the gym, and this is, again, why women don't feel comfortable going into certain sections of the gym, more so like the machines. I don't fit on a lot of the machines, <laughs> yeah? So you've got, like, your leg extension, your leg count. Yeah. The proportions don't fit. Or, like, I'm a, so Jav used to coach me, and I would literally have to say, I can't do this exercise because the machine doesn't fit me. And... This is a problem because it's made for people of like five foot whatever and above. So for someone like myself, and okay, I am the minority because I am super small. But it's just a little bit demotivating that I can't go into that part of the gym because I don't fit the equipment. It's not like it should be, it should be more adjustable. They should make things more adjustable or different sections. I don't know. But it's a struggle. Yeah. So with that being said, obviously we know the importance of weight training for women. But like for maybe a listener who they don't understand why women should be doing weight training or they might be thinking, oh, they're going to get bulky. I still, I've had clients that I've worked with for quite a while and they they might have someone in their family mention that, you know, oh, don't do too much weight training. You're going to get muscular mm-hmm. or something like that. But why should women do weight training? You know, like so what are some of the benefits? So many reasons, so many reasons. So one of the things that I think people don't realize is that the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn, right? So if you are trying to lose weight or you're trying to burn calories, you will burn more calories at rest if you have a higher muscle percentage than someone who has a lower muscle percentage, which in turn means you can do less exercise and burn more calories. Who doesn't want that? Right, Who worth, doesn't it's want worth that? worth it, I think. Who doesn't want Put that? Put in the effort, it's worth it, yeah. So if you have, say, 5 to 10% more muscle mass than someone else, you are going to just naturally sit in here like you and I. If you had someone next to you of the same weight, but your percentages were different, they had more fat and less muscle when you had more muscle than fat, you would be burning more calories than them. Great. Who doesn't want that? It's worth it. So yeah. your metabolism increases, right? Numero uno. Uh, improves your bones massively. So as you get older, and this is specific, I have a few older women who train with me as well. And one of the things that I need to tell them is you need to do more weight training because as you get older, your bones become more brittle. Things like, Uh, like osteoporosis things like that you need to make sure you prevent that so weight training is going to improve that and then obviously to get this wonderful toned look which is essentially seeing your muscles you need to weight train in order to get that and it does not mean you're going to get bulky it does not mean you're going to look like a man i mean how many years have you been training like weight training say probably since I was 16. So exactly. So I was 17, right? We've both been weight training since we were 17. Do I look like you? No. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Am that's I a, ever going to look point. like you? Yeah, yeah. No. That's a good point. We're both training. <laughs> when we're in the gym at our peaks, we're probably training five times a week easy. There we go. That's There's your answer, point. everyone. That's a very good point. <laughs> Does he look like a woman? Do I look like a man? Yeah. Inverted commas. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that I always find that once I get a woman who I work with that understands that, and really gets into it, she starts to see the results. Like she really starts to see the results. Once they buy into it, I think they see the results. It's just giving them the initial confidence to get started. I think that's the difficult part. But also for me as well, it's not just, again, not speaking aesthetically, it's about being strong. Strong, Like, so I was actually, I was thinking about this as I was on my way over. 
So especially from a woman's perspective, if you get pregnant, you have a baby, right? Give birth to a baby and it's a few pounds or whatever. That baby's not going to stay small forever. That baby is going to grow and it's going to grow into a toddler. And toddlers still want to get picked up. They still want to be played with. They still want to be swung around. Why does that always have to be dad's job? Mm. Why are you unable to pick up your child? Mm. Because it's too heavy and it becomes too much. It's hard. If you're not going to weight train for aesthetics, weight train for functionality of your life and being able to do those things, because why would you want to be limited? Yeah. That's so important. Why would you want to be limited? That's so important. And you've got a kid and you're weak and you can't do these things. And sure, you do. You gain it, obviously, as you have a child and you spend more time and lifting them up. Obviously, you do gain strength, but wouldn't you just want to have that strength? Straight away, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point, actually. And I think that is something that I've posted about that a few times on my story that, like, before we even talk about aesthetics, losing body fat, blah, blah, blah. Your primary goal should actually be having a strong, functional body that can do your daily task without feeling like you're dying, walking up the steps or, you know, picking up some heavy boxes isn't going to blow your back out. Like Mm. that's a, I'm glad you mentioned that. So you mentioned babies, a big part of your coaching and a big thing that I see you always talking about is training around your menstrual cycle. You've even given me some advice on that. And it's something that I'm starting to implement, I'm starting to implement it more with my current clients. One thing I think is missing in fitness is explaining that because I don't think a lot of women are aware. Not even just in fitness, it's in life. Life, right. Like I've just got my understanding of this pretty sound. I'm pretty sound with my understanding now. I'm 24 years of age and I'm a woman. And that's me who has looked into it and I've studied it and I've read and I've done all of the research into it. What about everyone else? Right. No woman gets the education that they should. And it's not just women. Men need to know Men this as well. Too, yeah. And that's a whole other conversation. But women fundamentally need to understand how their bodies work, how it affects them, how things like contraception affects them mentally, physically. And... It's every day I find out more information and it absolutely baffles me. And it comes down to education from a young age. And then you have to talk about how do you implement that? How do you educate all of this? Do you put it in the curriculum? Is it down to parents? Whatever, whatever. But yeah, 100%. Women need to understand how their bodies work. And it changes the game massively. And I do think that, I think it should be in school. 100%. I think it should be in school. But I think that there's this... Like they treat things like sex, sex education and stuff like it's a taboo. Because that's it. You took the words right out of my mouth. They treat it like it's a taboo, but we should know that because it helps us as men understand women better, and it helps women understand what or is, little girls understand themselves better. What's the one fundamental reason humans are on earth to reproduce? reproduce yeah. So what is that? That is the menstrual, sti- menstrual cycle. That is sex. That is all of these things. Yeah. But Everyone is so petrified to speak to about speak it. Yeah, it's quite weird, yeah. Like, 50% of the population are women. 50% of the population have had or will have periods in their time. Yeah. It happens. It's a it thing. It's spoken about, honestly. And 
people don't understand that. I remember being in year six, getting my period for the first time and I'm stuffing my underwear with toilet paper. So petrified to say anything to anyone. Cause I was like, well, who do I tell? What's like, yeah. why really shouldn't we feel like that? Happen. It should be normal. Like you should, should know, you should know I'm going to expect this at some point. Exactly. In the toilets, there should be free like sanitary products. It should be easy for those in year six to access this or speak to their teachers or yeah. what have you. But even I think to this day, and people of our age or older, they don't even understand what it takes to become pregnant or what it takes or how the cycle, why we have it, yeah. what it consists of. Yeah. And that's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So one thing that I've kind of been implementing a lot with my re- with my clients recently is just letting them know that in their luteal phase, you know, they can kind of increase their calories a bit. I'm and, proud of you. And that's some, <laughs> but that's something that I think that, you know, a lot of women don't really realize and they put all this pressure on themselves that I sometimes I get messages like, oh, Jav, I'm so sorry, I binged today, but it's my time of the month. I'm just feeling anxious, blah, blah, blah. And I'll just be like, don't worry about it. Like, yeah, your your, your metabolism might be a little bit, you know, you're going to be burning a few more calories anyway. Your your temperature might be increased a little bit. Like, this is normal. It's a part exactly. of Exactly. Literally, the second half of your cycle, ladies, your body is literally getting ready to grow a being inside of you. It is literally preparing the house for a child. Whether or whether or not that happens, it is still in the pre- preparation phase for that to happen. And it is using up those calories. It is using up the energy. And I've I've actually started... Well, today, I just started telling myself when I speak, I'm not even going to speak about calories as calories. I'm going to speak about calories as energy because mm. I think as well that will take away from any kind of like, well, it would help take away from any kind of eating disordered thinking patterns. Yeah. If you speak about food as energy and your body requires energy to survive and that energy comes from food rather than calories because calories have a certain type of connotation, then I think people are more likely to get on board with it, specifically women. So, yeah, back to the point of cycle and eating more in your second half. Yeah, massively. I get the same. Women saying, oh, my goodness, it is the week before and I've been eating. I say, that's absolutely fine. I give out everyone a guide when they sign up and I say, read this, study this and implement it. And even in my weekly check-ins, I say, what day of your cycle are you on? And often they'll say, oh, well, it's day 24. And I'm saying, cool, that's fine, relax. How how, how important is it for women to track their cycle? Is that something you... Oh, my goodness. Every single woman should track it. They should track it, yeah. And why why should they? So many reasons. So that they know when they're ovulating for one. So if you're not on any contraception, you need to know when to either have sex or avoid sex, depending on if you want to have a baby or not to understand your thoughts, your feelings, your moods, because in that second half of your luteal phase, so the week before your period, you are going to feel a little bit shit. You're going to feel sluggish, lethargic. You're going to feel tired. You're going to feel a little bit angsty and your desire to train isn't there. So if you're aware that that's your time, you can give yourself a break. You do not have to go and weight train five days a week. That's okay. You don't have to go to your spinning class five times a week that's okay but now with me one the eating so this week for me I've not really been hungry at all because I know I'm ovulating so I know that my appetite's kind of just disappeared and that's cool if my calories are lower whereas in next week give me all the food and I know that and I'm ready for it 
But as well, like with socialization, again, around when you're ovulating, you're more social. So research has shown you should go out with your friends more and go to group classes and things like that. You need to optimize your training for your cycle. So there are just so many reasons why, but fundamentally pregnancy and then everything else as well, like sex drive as well. Mm. Certain times of the month, your sex drive is going to be higher. And if your sex drive is lower, then you can say to your partner, actually, you know why? It's because it's this time of the month and I'm okay with that because my biology is telling me that I'm not on it this month, this week. So there's a lot of layers to that. So many layers. I could make a whole podcast out of this. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. Guys, I hope you're listening because this will help you learn more about... 100%. And guys should know when, especially if you're in a relationship, you should know where your partner is on their cycle because... It will help you a lot. <laughs> if you think women are just moody or bipolar or whatever, if you can sync with your partner, oh my goodness, imagine how many arguments you would stop. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and how much sex you would get more. So speaking of sex, like a big part of your social media and the bit that I like to keep an eye on sometimes is, <laughs> you know, you're quite open about, you know, sex. You talk, You like to discuss topics. You'll put polls up questionnaires, stuff like that. Firstly, what what enabled you to become so confident to do that? Yeah, that what yeah, what where does that come from? Where does that confidence come from to, to be so open about? Um, I don't know. I've always been very open. I think I follow, I'm very selective about who I follow on social media and who I can see. And I only want to follow people that I look up to, admire And kind of I appreciate and respect their thoughts and opinions. So I definitely follow a lot of sex positive accounts. And I think because that is 90% of what I'm seeing, it's kind of normal. Mm. Whereas like for someone else who doesn't follow these kinds of people, it probably isn't so normal. So for me, it's totally normal. But one, going back to like my friends and stuff, we're very, very confident talking about all of that stuff. So I've just thought, you know what, I'm going to take this and I'm essentially going to talk about what other people that I follow talk about, the people that I look up to, why can't I speak about it? I've got one and a half thousand followers. I'm a nobody. But I think, one, it will build my confidence because the more I speak about it, the more I become sound in knowledge and sound in just myself. But two, when I learn about certain things, I'm like, every woman needs to hear this. And even if I can just share like a morsel of information and improve someone's life in whatever way it might be, then great. And I literally, one of my friends actually said to me the other day, she was like, you know what? We always look forward to seeing your stories and it's really improved mine and my boyfriend's sex life because it makes us discuss things more and it makes us talk about these topics. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just think everybody has sex. Again, going back to the conversation that we just had, the fundamental reason for our being is reproduction and that's sex. And women can have sex to reproduce and we can also have it for fun. Yeah. Just like guys. Just like guys, yeah. And I think that's a that's a big point that like growing up, I don't know what it was like for you, but like growing up as a boy, we're always encouraged to be lads, you know. We can talk about sex publicly, it's not really a big deal. But if a woman's doing it or if a woman's being promiscuous, like a guy you know, there's different standards, right? We're, we're always being held to different standards, which isn't isn't fair, obviously. So what so. it comes back down to is evolutionary, men can have... Evolutionary, 
men's, the male job is to spread their genetics, right? That is their number one foremost reason to have sex and to, you know, be around. For women, we have to be super, super cautious who we have sex with because at any point we can get pregnant and that is therefore then a burden on our lives. We are then pregnant for nine months and then we have to bring up a child. The man can flee if he so wants to, right? A woman can't really do that. So evolutionary, that is why we've always had to be very cautious, whereas men can be promiscuous. Whereas now, coming into modern day, we have contraception, we have the pill, we have all of these ways around not getting pregnant. So women are able to be more sexually promiscuous. But also, women are more able to be able to go into the workplace and potentially go for jobs that guys go for and go to uni and college and things like that. And I'm talking a bit further back now that they can do this because they're not restricted by every time they have sex, they're going to get pregnant yeah. and things like that, holding them back. So I've forgotten the point that we're talking about. But but... What? <laughs> With that then, in terms of, it's not very common that you see a lot of women discussing sex publicly right yes. like it's not common yeah. or at least not for the women that i follow okay so yeah. so why do you think that is that some women shy away from it like why is it that they feel like they it's not their place to discuss those things or they're afraid to it's discuss fear of judgment things. it's societal right. norms it's fear of judgment yeah. it is being scared for talking about sex it is being scared that they're going to come across like they're a slut or they're a whore or whatever. And it's the misogyny of a lot of it and the things that guys say. But also a lot of women can be very judgmental against other women. It's right. not just men. It can be okay. the other way. So yeah. I want to pick you on that, women being judgmental on women. Like, in, in what way? Like, kind of dive in on that a little bit. I reckon this happens because of jealousy. And it is... A f Some women might be like, oh, my goodness, did you see that she was talking about how she had sex with so-and-so? Or I'm talking about this not necessarily on, like, an Instagram base, more so hearsay within social groups. And, oh, my God, did you hear that she had sex with X, Y, and Z on the weekend? And one, I think it is like a jealousy thing that the other woman is so confident to speak about it because she doesn't really have a grounds to say anything on another woman having sex with three guys on a weekend, for right. example, right? She's like, there's no grounds there. That's just pure judgment. That's just pure societal norm, misogynistic judgment. But I do think there is a side to it that, a woman could be jealous that, oh my goodness, she's so confident to speak about that. Mm. And I think some people might see that with me, not necessarily in like a jealousy way, but oh my goodness, like I envy how she is so confident to yeah. speak about certain topics. Yeah. Whereas I would just be so scared too, because I'd be embarrassed. And I do, I bring it back to my, my social circle, my group around me is just so non-judgmental and so supportive because we speak about everything and that's what makes it eliminates all the fear yeah. from anything like that so who, who can judge me no right. one can judge me so, i am me so having an open circle where you guys are very clear with each other and there's no like there's no there's like it's like 
you can say whatever you want around each other kind of gives you the confidence to be open in all all circumstances. I just surround myself online and in person with people that I respect and that I love and I trust and respect and they don't judge me and I don't judge them. And I think you have every power to choose who's in your circle. You do. No one else does. And as long as you only have the pe- those people in your circle, I think you can, like, your, what am I trying to say? Your power, like, is endless. Right. You can be anyone it's you want to be. Yeah. It's limitless. Like, your being is. You're not restricted by anyone. Yeah. Last year, I cut off a load of toxic people out of my life, and it's only bettered me. Right. Because it has made me so much... I don't have these people who I feel are judgy, breathing down yeah. my neck. yeah. Block them all. And it's it's funny you say that, and this ain't about sex, but like when the pandemic hit and work was limited, hours were limited, and I decided on a personal note that, cool, I'm just going to go out and do my own thing. That kind of liberated me in a sense where my mindset towards other people was like, you know, I can't really care what other people think. And I realised even when it comes to just building my own kind of online presence and trying to get clients and stuff that I couldn't worry about other people's opinions on my marketing and the way my videos were coming across, stuff like that. And, but doing it, like going two feet in and just being like, you know what, I'm going to post every day. I'm going to do whatever I want. Doing that at first is a bit nerve wracking. Like, you know, how are people going to judge me? Am I coming off salesy in my videos, blah, blah, blah. Like all of those things were in my mind, but I realized that their opinions don't really matter. Like it doesn't really matter. As long, right, as long as I'm comfortable saying what I'm saying, as long as I've done the necessary research, I'm not giving out misinformation, I'm not hurting people. Like those are the things I was worried about. If I'm not hurting people and I can say what I want. Exactly, it's not like you're spouting all this like racist, sexist, whatever comments. So you're just building your business and it comes down to jealousy. And on that topic, yeah. So back in the day, did you ever hear of Tumblr? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of big, a big deal on Tumblr, right? I had probably like 15,000 followers. I was up there. Yeah. And this was back in the day, I must've been 14, 15. And so I decided that I would start YouTube think early days of YouTube I start doing this I'm doing my whole like little talk to the camera vlogging away I I thought I was sick yeah it was it could have been a, everyone on my Tumblr thought it was great people from my school laughed at me they judged me they were like how oh, why are you doing that to the point like I had thousands of views Really? I deleted everything. Really? Imagine, yeah. Kept going. Don't. Not that I'm saying that being the influencer is what to aspire to, yeah, but, but. Yeah, no. Early days as well, 10 it, years ago. Yeah, exactly. Just think about if I had actually pursued that, I would be the next Molly May. Yeah. You know? And if you had done it for 10 years, because the thing is, when you start something, it's kind of like this podcast, right? This is episode two. You know, if I stop, I'm never going to be as good as I could be, right? It's kind of like. When you get a client and you know they're they're starting their weight loss journey and they're always they've been someone who always did like four weeks then they quit or whatever. oh my goodness yes and you're trying to get them out of that habit of that quit that quitter yes. mindset you're trying to pull them away from it yes. it's like yo like maybe six weeks in you you ain't hit your target but like that is that critical period where you actually need to keep going because you're so close you're so close to the gold like don't stop I had a consultation the other day with a girl and. 
she was telling me how she did four weeks of this and she did four weeks of that. Right, and and literally, I said, this is why I've got a minimum sign up. I said, because you're not going to see any results in four weeks. Chopping and changing. Right? At all. You... You might have done three months, but you've spent three different months doing three different types of training and you're, you've got no consistency. And I said, this is why you need some consistency, you need some accountability, and this is why you need a minimum sign up because yeah. it will force you to do it. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right then. So kind of to wrap things up a little bit. So with that, you're on social media, super confident. You know, I feel like you don't ever hold anything back. You're open to kind of talking about any topic that you feel knowledgeable knowledgeable about but what would you say in terms of the sexual side of things right because I think I see some of your polls and a lot of women will say that they don't feel like they're comfortable to say certain things to their partner and obviously you're not like a sex expert right and so <laughs> let's just put that make that clear but you're open to talk about it why do you feel that and I don't know if this is, if well, I don't know the statistics behind this, but why do you feel there is a certain section of women who feel like in the bedroom, they can't ask for certain things, you know? Like a guy might say, I want, I want it like this or do it like this. Why do women not feel empowered to do that? I think that they are very scared to speak. They're very scared of being judged. Now, one, I think if your partner is going to judge you, then you need to rethink who you're sleeping with. Right. right. If you are not sleeping with someone that you feel comfortable to tell them whatever it might be, what you like, what you don't like, kinks, fantasies, whatever, you need to rethink about the selection of people you're sleeping with. It doesn't have to be straight away. It can be a few weeks later. It can time, be. It yeah. can be. And it's, it's something that builds up gradually. But ultimately... Why are you putting someone else's pleasure before your own? Right. Right? And one of the big things for me is what's called the orgasm gender gap. Men, every time, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard. Right? <laughs> exactly. <not> hard. <laughs> Women. It's hard. <laughs> it's not hard, though, actually. Okay, it's not hard. It's right. not hard for most women. Right. But it comes down to that conversation. Right. And it comes down to saying to your partner... Actually, this is what I like, right. and this is what. Okay, let me let me show you how do. you can make me right. come right with you. You you can you do it's your easy, thing and you're yeah. done and whatever space of time that might be. But why why is it okay that you can finish, but it's not okay well, for me to finish? finish? Why yeah. there is no reason why that's not a thing. Yeah. And I know a lot of the times now I find more guys are okay. I'm not going to finish till you finish, which is great, but. Every woman is different yeah. and you need to find out how that woman gets to that point, yeah. right? So you need to think, why can my partner come every single time we have sex, but I can't, okay? You have every single right and every single being to be able to. So number one, do you know yourself how to get to that point? If you can't explore with yourself, you will never, ever, ever be comfortable telling your partner. Right. So unless you know sound... Get a mirror down there. Get your hands involved. Get your toys involved. Take some time. Kick everyone out your house and say, I need an hour to just visit my body and understand my body and learn. Because if you don't, no one, no one else will and you won't ever be able to tell anyone else how yeah. to. So number one. And yeah, just take it step by step. Do it together and 
communicate. And if you really do have that fear of judgment, then I think you should rethink who you're sleeping with. Right. Every woman deserves to. Every woman. Yeah. Every time cool. have sex. Ladies, you hearing that? <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's true. Men, you hear that? That's true. Every woman. That's true. Cool, man. So thank you. Thank you for joining me. I really enjoyed it. It was really an interesting conversation. I think a lot of people get a lot of value out of this, especially the ladies and the guys too. I think there's a lot of takeaways for, for both groups. So yeah, I'll put your DLs. Ladies, if you're looking for a top coach, this is the person to go to. <laughs> Details will be in the description. So make sure you follow on Instagram. It's always posting great content. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you for it's having a me. Pleasure. It's a pleasure. Guys, make sure you like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. If you are someone who has been struggling to get in shape, you want to lose some body fat, you want to feel better about yourself, and you want to build some lean muscle mass, as well as transforming your confidence don't hesitate to reach out to me on my social media and just ping me a message. I'll get back to you as soon as you can. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe and tag me. Okay, tag me. I really appreciate all the support. Watch out for next week's episode. See you later.